This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Monday. Green Dally, you were not wrong. It was getting larger the entire time. Rocky, I'm sorry you're stressed. Whoa, that is a lot on your plate. My, if I prayed for you, I'd pray right now. I'm sending best wishes across the pond. I hope that I can entertain you and give you a reprieve from such stress this evening. We've got a hell of a show. It's been a peaceful week in regards to law enforcement. I'm just fucking with you. We've got cop shootings, cop shootings, more cop shootings. We're going to talk about the census and the realignment that's going to take place. Marjorie Taylor Greene compared the BLM movement to the KKK. Ben Shapiro went into a Home Depot and said, I would like one wood, please. And make you pee it out. I, there's a there's a golden shower joke there, but I don't want to make it. I am so sorry. Rocky, I understand your extreme fear of needles. I probably would have been a heroin junkie if it wasn't for the fact that I have a extreme fear of needles. I'm going to go get my vaccine probably sometime this week. <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably lucky in that regard. That I have an extreme fear of needles. Because knowing my addictive personality, I wouldn't have made it past like 32. Now, as I was uh, getting ready to start the stream, I noticed uh, Charlie Kirk had something to say. And he's sitting in his car. Now, if you know, you know, if a right winger is sitting in their car delivering a message to you on their cell phone, you know it's important. Right, guys? So I really wanted to listen to what Charlie Kirk has to say. The big event yesterday in Dallas, Texas. Also, shout out to our Turning Point USA. Oh, he's just jacking himself off. In Montana. You guys did an amazing job yesterday. We are going to be in San Diego tomorrow. So if you're interested in going to that, you guys I'm can not. go to tpusa.com. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be a commercial for his stupid-ass brand. Oh, Gord. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you have access to affordable health care. Now, starting off tonight, content warning, fuckers. We do not have a... 
body cam video yet, and that's what this story is about. There's been a whole ordeal going on today in North Carolina. Andrew Brown shooting. Anger as family shown only a snippet of police footage. Lawyers representing the family of Andrew Brown, a black man shot and killed by police in North Carolina last week, accused authorities of hiding video evidence of an execution. On Monday, after relatives were shown only a 20-second clip of the incident from a single officer's body camera. Anger boiled over at an afternoon press conference. Now, they kept delaying it today. There's multiple delays. The family was supposed to see it at around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock this morning. Anger boiled over at an afternoon press conference in which they said the snippet they were permitted to view showed Brown, 42, with his hands on the steering wheel of the car he was driving, when he was shot dead in a hell of police bullets. One of the lawyers, Harry Daniels, said Brown was shot in the back of the head. Protesters were gathering in the city on Monday evening. The family's lawyers had emerged from the viewing of the selected footage arranged by the authorities, but much delayed on Monday amid growing tensions. They declared a state of emergency in North Carolina. The family stood and spoke alongside, or the lawyers stood and spoke alongside family members, saying there had been a heated disagreement with county officials over their lack of transparency. Seems to be a trend. One body cam, 20 seconds, and execution. We still cannot get justice and accountability. This was according to Bakari Sellers, one of the attorneys. Another lawyer, Chantel Sherry Lannister, or Lassiter, said there were at least eight officers, but we were only show, uh, we were uh, we only saw footage from one body camera. We did not see any dash cam. Police were already firing at Brown when the clip began. She said. They were crowding his car with handguns and assault rifles drawn. The car was riddled with bullets. They're shooting and saying, let me see your hands at the same time. Also a trend. This was an execution. He had his hands on the steering wheel. He was not reaching for anything. This was according to one of the attorneys. Rocky, I wish you a fantastic sleep. Pleasant evening to you. The numbers of police officers present, cameras, bullets fired, and other details remain unconfirmed. Brown's family had been bracing themselves for the viewing of body camera footage on Monday morning only for it to be delayed several hours while authorities blurred out the faces of the officers. This is according to Michael Cox, the Pasquatank County Attorney. My redneck really came out when I said that. 
Uh, Cox came under fire or came under attack from uh, civil rights attorney Ben Crump, who is also representing the Brown family. Why is it that they get to choose what are the pertinent parts of the footage to show? And at the last minute, they decide they're going to redact it, said Crump. Crump said he believed up to nine body cams were available, plus footage from at least one police dashboard camera. And a camera on a lamppost. The attorneys, he said, should have seen all of it. That is what transparency is. Mr. Crump, I agree with you. According to an eyewitness, deputies fired at Brown as he tried to drive away from officers executing a drug warrant. This batch audio was captured in what uh, in which was a first responder can be heard saying, "Be advised, EMS has one male, 42 years of age, gunshot to the back." Brown died after seven officers, including a tactical team, were deployed to his house to serve the search and arrest warrant. Not all of the officers discharged their weapons, but seven have been placed on leave. Local leaders have urged calm (laughs) and patience amid protests surrounding the killing. Lloyd Griffin, the chair of the commissioners of Pasquotank County, said rushing the gathering of evidence and interviewing of witnesses would hurt any future legal case that might be brought in the wake of this tragedy. Lawyers said that patience is running out. Sellers told Monday's press conference, I wish we were somewhere else. I wish we had a week where black folk weren't just dying at the hands of law law enforcement. The state of North Carolina can no longer hide videos from the people who need to see them. Trump addressed the indications that Brown was shot in the back. Quote, the most cowardly thing in the world you can do is shoot somebody in the back. They don't shoot white men in the back. They shoot us in the back. The most dangerous thing to a police officer in America is a black man running away, he said. Also, not the only police shooting of an unarmed black man this past week. This one happening in Virginia, a black man shot by uh, sheriff's deputy while on 911 call. Another person seeking help from the police and not receiving it. Virginia State Police are investigating reports that an unarmed black man was shot by a sheriff's deputy who mistook his cordless house phone for a gun. Battle Opossum. I'm sorry you have to come in at this time. Content warning, fucker. I I promise we have some fun videos to watch later on in the show. The deputy had earlier had earlier given him a ride home, authorities said. Spotsylvania County Sheriff's Office released video late Friday of the shooting of Isaiah Brown, who is 32 years old, who is still in critical condition in a hospital with 10 
bullet wounds following the shooting early Wednesday. So here we go. I believe we are starting off with the 911 audio. On April the 21st of this year, at a prior- No, we're starting off with this cracker white explaining to us about what's going on. And, and remember when we were watching the video from Knoxville last week when they take great pains to paint a picture for you before showing you the video, you know something is up. So, all right, Sheriff Roger Harris, go ahead and hit us with your bullshit. 3.19 a.m. Deputies responded to a report of a domestic disturbance in the western part of the county. During the encounter with an adult male, the deputy discharged his firearm. Mr. Brown was struck by the gunfire. The deputy immediately rendered life-saving first aid. At my request, the Virginia State Police Bureau of Criminal Investigations was contacted to ensure an impartial and transparent investigation. In accordance with agency policy, the deputy has been placed on administrative leave pending investigation. At the recommendation of the Commonwealth attorney, a special prosecutor in this case was appointed. Not high enough for this shit. Prosecutor has advised the body cam footage and the 911 audio are being made available to the public. Down, so why do you need your keys? Alright, come on, Tavern. Nigga, I'm not, I'm fucking, I'm, alright, give me the gun. No, nigga. You brought to make me fucking get, get mad, bro, for real. I'm not playing, bro. What the this fuck is a 911 audio. Can you send somebody down here? And what the sheriff doesn't mention is that the sheriff's office had just given a ride to Isaiah Brown before this. Before you're hearing the 911 call, this is Isaiah calling 911 after he receives a ride from sheriff's deputies. What is going on, Isaiah? Why don't you just. What is the problem? I'm about to kill my brother. Yeah, don't kill your brother. Why would you say something like that? Come on, Taz. Somebody need to come here real quick. Okay, but do you understand that you just threatened to kill your brother on a recorded line on 911? Mm-hmm. So why would you say something like that? Because I need to get to my shit. That's not a reason to kill somebody. Why would you do that? I... Come on, I'm out Do you have a gun? Yeah. Do you have a gun on you? Nope. Where's your brother? In the house. And you're outside? Mm-hmm. So she's frantically typing you near the dispatch. Do you have any weapons on you? Nope. All right, where are you at outside? I'm walking down the road. So he, he's not even at the house. Why are you walking down the road with the house, son? Because I can. 
Oh, so there they even acknowledge that it's the, it's the house phone that he's got. Uh, you need to hold your hands up. Hold your hands up. Okay, so she's telling him to hold his hands up. You can hear the cops coming in the background. She knows. She knows cops are stupid or just going to shoot him. Once again, he did not have a gun. That was his phone. Uh, you, you. Show me your hands after they've already shot him. Jesus Christ. It's still yelling, show me your hands. God, the audio keeps going on. All right, so we have body camera footage. It's just a fucking split second, apparently. So here, this is the body camera footage. Content warning. Show me your hands! Show me your hands! But we just heard audio up. He's he's just walking along the road with his phone in his hand. Show me your hands! Thank God he didn't die. He's in a hospital with ten. Bullet wounds in his back. Stop walking towards me! Stop walking towards me! Stop! Stop! Shots fired! Shots fired! One down! Show me your hands! Show me your hands! Drop the gun! Drop the gun! There was no gun, you stupid fuck! Let go of the gun! And remember, he had just given this guy a ride home. He knew who this was. He was just talking to him in his cruiser. Fucking shit. The deputy who gave Brown a ride home some 45 minutes earlier after his car broke down responded to the call as a domestic incident. Brown's lawyer, David Haynes, said in a statement to news outlets, the officer mistook a cordless house phone for a gun. There is no indication that Isaiah did anything other than comply with dispatch's orders and raised his hands with the phone in his hand as instructed. We obviously couldn't see from the officer's body cam footage because the body cam's like fucking facing downward. And another one. Police in Nashville. TBI investigating deadly officer involved shooting of armed man in Nashville. They say armed man, he was armed with two butcher knives. Armed man shot and killed by MNPD officer 
around midnight on Friday. The incident is captured on body camera video. Police say the suspect was armed with two butcher knives. So content warning, we're getting ready to see the video. It's about a minute long here. From uh, Nashville Metro Police. Stay in the car. Drop so we, got, we got somebody running. Uh, Clarksville Pike. 3236. He's got a knife. Oh, he's trying to steal the cop car. Drop the knife. Drop the knife. Dude, what are you doing? Drop the knife. I don't want to shoot you. I don't want to shoot you. Hey, give me some cars up here. He's, he's clearly having a, a mental issue. Ah, he was charging around the cops. Ah, goddamn. Give me some cars up here. Carcel Pike just passed Buena Vista. Hey, stay over there. Stay over there. That's about the only time I'll give cops leeway when they're, like, charging right at you. But still, he had a fucking knife. You couldn't take him down? Multiple commands were given by the officer for the man to drop the knives, police say. The officer was able to get about 25 yards away from the suspect. He sure did. He didn't go for a kneecap or anything. The man then went into the driver's side of the police car before charging the officer. They did indeed kill him. No other injuries are reported. Officer uh, Royer is a four-year veteran of the MNPD. Per policy, he is now on administrative leave as the incident is investigated. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation has taken over the investigation. The Metro Nashville Community Oversight Board says they will conduct its own administrative investigation into the shooting to determine if MNPD policy and procedures were followed. The man was clearly having mental issues, but yeah, I mean, I, I will give the cops some leeway. He was lunging right at him. Now, a cop I'm probably not going to give leeway to is this one in California. Teen with autism punched by police. Simply disgusting. Oh my god! of 60 seconds or less. A Vacaville police officer approached 17-year-old Preston after reports he was involved in a fight with a deadly weapon. Preston's dad said he was being picked on and picked up a metal object to defend himself. The altercation was broken up by a good Samaritan. The officer Kids get into altercations all the time! Preston's autistic. His father says he was scared of the officer and tried to run. I bet! Because he probably wanted to come home to us but it made things worse. When he got up to move, that's when the officer grabbed him and threw him to the ground. Oh my God. On top of him and punch him in the face. Preston begged the officer to stop, but nothing helped. After that interaction, I doubt he will ever trust another police officer. He always thought that they were there to help. Yeah. We're very sorry to hear that Preston expressed that the officer did was not aware that the individual was a special needs individual. 
Oh, for, holy fuck! I'm sure the officer was aware it's a fucking kid. God damn! I don't care if you have disabilities or not. Do you think that officer should be a police officer? I know that those actions are not what I would expect out of a police officer. I'm pro-police. They're not all bad. but it's individual. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. They're all bad. Absolutely fucking sick. I... You don't treat anyone, any American citizen that way. Period. Let alone a teen. Let alone a teen with autism. That's just insane. It doesn't get any better here. Another teen slammed to the ground by cops because apparently it's what they fucking do. This was in Florida. They're they're cowards on an ego trip. That's what's wrong you with them. Fucking, you're somebody who we're supposed to fucking call for for help. No, yeah, look what you're doing. Fucking slam somebody who's ninety fucking pounds on the ground. I want your badge number. No, and you're you not leaving. Can we leave? Get this man fired. I want your fucking badge number. Do they have like license plate? Do you like? Help they were laughing. It says. Do you have a plate because that's all I'm checking is your plate. I've absolutely seen bouncers in bars that are more civil. A report from the sheriff's office says that the girl's companion, 19-year-old Austin Paget, was seen stowing something beneath a vehicle in a parking garage where the video was filmed. Deputies later determined it to be a firearm. So, her fucking ride is a citizen. The cops are in the middle of arresting Paget. When the viral video begins, two officers are cuffing him against a police vehicle. Oh, I'm sorry. I got him confused. That was the young man. They are cuffing him against a police vehicle when a slender blonde teen steps up to them and begins recording the arrest. What appears to be a wallet is stowed in the wristband of her skirt. She repeatedly reaches back to adjust it as police tell her to stay away from that car and back up. The cops ultimately arrested the girl and Paget. She faces a felony charge of battery of a law enforcement officer. Oh my God. A police report reviewed by First Coast News states that deputies found a gun, drugs, and alcohol on the scene. It's Florida. I would expect no less. Some viewers derided police for reacting violently to yet another conflict, while others defended their actions. As many viewers pointed out, the girl attempted to interfere with her. I I don't think she fucking interfered at all. Others noted that the police are public service and are trained to respond to threats when they... and, And we have covered multiple stories about corrupt police departments in Florida. In nearby Georgia, 
the cop that shot Rashad Brooks in the back last year, sparking the protest that got a McDonald's burnt down, wants his job back. An attorney for former Atlanta police officer Garrett Rolf told the city's civil service board on Thursday that his client's due process rights were grossly violated when he was fired for fatally shooting Richard Brooks outside a downtown Wendy's. I'm sorry, it wasn't a McDonald's, it was a Wendy's. Rolf was dismissed without a proper investigation by the city. I'm sorry, but if you shoot somebody in the back, I think that should automatically be a, a termination. That seems pretty fair. Because if we're if we're concerned about somebody's civil rights, I think it's the man that was shot in the back by the cops. Called to testify Thursday by the city's attorney, uh, Coit, who is the attorney for Rolf, uh, said he believed Rolf and Officer Devin Brosnan, the first cop to confront Brooks that evening, acted accordingly. I'm sorry, this was the assistant chief, Todd Coit. Coit. He said they acted accordingly and were trying to show compassion and did everything they could to calm the situation. You know, when they shot him in the back. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms apparently disagreed back in June. She said Rolf should be fired, telling reporters the circumstances of Brooks's death required immediate action. Atlanta Police Department Sergeant William Dean, an internal affairs investigator, acknowledged under questioning that last year's hearing on Rolf's job was scheduled to accommodate a 5 p.m. press conference by the mayor announcing Rolf's termination. Hell yeah. The hastily convened meeting was necessary, said the city's attorney. Dismissing Rolf so quickly was also a reasonable decision, she said. Noting city policy allows for it when an officer's presence impairs the effectiveness of others. I would say that's exactly what you would call it when a cop shoots somebody in the back. And we have some uh, wild video out of Florida, and this time the cops are actually doing their job properly. Before we go back to bitching about cops... Sir, stay away from the vehicle. I mean, we will say that, like, it's a white guy that obviously they treated completely differently than they do other people that they tend to pull over. We watched them have guns drawn on an 80-year-old grandmother. Uh, This is a man who apparently had some warrants on him. And, uh, watch what happens. Sir, stay away from the vehicle. Damn, Taser's not even facing him. No, stop. Stop the car. 494, he's driving with me in the car. Stop the car now. Stop. Stop. He's just swatting off the Taser. Shit. Get out of the car. Get out of the car now. Get out of my truck. 
get out of my truck, he said. Well, he did. Four nine four, he's fleeing. Oh, there's more to this, guys. This this ended with like a fucking standoff and everything. After a 12-hour standoff at Pinellas Park Hotel, officers arrest man with long criminal a man with a long criminal history. He's just out hanging out. Let's let's see how they justify it. Dangerous police standoff is finally over. A suspect has been arrested after barricading himself in a Pinellas Park hotel room for some 12 hours. Investigators say he has a violent history and was armed with a gun. Fox 13's Josh Cassio is live at the scene near Olmerton Road. And Josh, there were some tense moments in this. Yeah, Linda, from the very start. To so the this is the result of the that hotel. Uh, this was a very dangerous situation. What did you just saw? Involved. This could have gone in any number of directions. Thankfully, in the end, everyone, all the police, all the officers, they're going to go home safely. And the suspect, well, he's off to jail. <laughs> It was hardly a cozy night inside the Comfort Inn. The hotel evacuated after <laughs> the run from police barricades himself inside on the fourth floor. Josh Wallace was across the hall. There was so much activity. I had never seen that many cops going up in one, one area. When I came out my door, there was 40 police in the hallway itself. The guy at the center of it all, 49-year-old Walter Brios, someone the sheriff called a, quote, bad guy based on his history. He's been arrested 41 times on 142 separate charges. He's been convicted of 38 different felonies. In fact, the sheriff says just a few days ago, he was accused of putting a gun to a woman's head in Pasco County. I have heard of people being locked up for, for fucking pot possession for the rest of their goddamn lives. How's this motherfucker out walking free? Explain that one to me. Olmerton Road was shut down in both directions Thursday morning as the SWAT team tried to reason with him. He made it painfully clear that he was not going to come out and that we were going to have to come in and kill him. Eventually, the SWAT team had to blow open his barricaded door. Once we were able to breach the door with the explosives, we were able to put a drone inside. We were able to see where he was. And they still took him alive. They couldn't tackle a 16-year-old girl with a fucking knife. This motherfucker, dangerous criminal, barricades himself inside a goddamn comfort inn, and they take him alive. Explain it to me. And he was in the room, hunkered down, wrapped multiple times in sheets, laying on the bed. Uh, at that point, uh, he was given commands. He didn't comply with the commands. The sheriff's office SWAT team deployed what we call less lethal rounds of beanbag rounds, shot him with the beanbag rounds. And at that point, they were able to take him into custody. Outside, Brios appeared disheveled and agitated. This was some 15 hours after Penelope wow. he got into it with an officer in this Sam's Club parking lot Wednesday night. This is newly released body camera footage of that incident, the officer was investigating a stolen tag. In the video, you can see Brios was tased twice before driving off, dragging that officer. Thankfully, the officer wasn't seriously... Florida man! Yeah, this is astonishing as to why somebody like this is on the street. Yeah, now a female by the name of Jennifer Thomas also arrested in connection with the case tonight. She and Brios are both at the Pinellas County Jail. Linda, back to you. All right. Wow! Just that old story blows my mind. What wild footage, though. 
All right. Do you guys remember? Uh, you remember Derek Chauvin got convicted last week? Chauvin kneeled on a black teen in 2017 and may now face federal charges for it. Derek Chauvin has been convicted in the mor- uh, in the murder of George Floyd, but his legal trouble uh, legal troubles are far from over. He's facing possible federal charges for kneeling on the back of a 14-year-old black teenager for 17 minutes in 2017. Jesus. Also, he's got those tax fraud charges. The U.S. Department of Justice is still conducting their investigation into the brutal arrest. A source familiar with the ongoing investigation told ABC News this week. Now the feds are weighing whether to bring civil rights charges against Chauvin for abusing his power as a government officer the day he arrested and killed George Floyd. If he is charged by the federal government and convicted, he could theoretically face a life sentence, which would be added on top of the state convictions, which carry up to 40 years in prison. Minnesota state prosecutors came into possession of the video as they prepared their case against Chauvin. As first reported by the Minneapolis uh, Star uh, Tribune last November, the incident with the teen occurred on September 4th, 2017. Police were responding to a 911 call about a domestic assault involving a mother being assaulted by her son and daughter. When the woman's son was slow to comply with Chauvin's commands, he quickly resorted to force. Video of the incident allegedly shows Chauvin striking the boy with a flashlight, then grabbing him by the throat before striking him with the flashlight once more. During Chauvin's flurry of attacks, the boy allegedly called out to his mom, telling her that the officer was hurting him. Chauvin then allegedly used his body weight to pin the boy to the floor in a manner manner similar to Floyd's fatal arrest. The boy's mother pleaded with Chauvin a total of four times, and Chauvin refused to remove his knee from the child's neck. He kept the 14-year-old under his knee for a total of 17 minutes. It wasn't until the boy told his panicked mother that he was going to be okay that she stopped asking Chauvin to let up. Prosecutors tried to introduce the video as evidence, which seems like it would be a perfectly fitting piece of evidence, seeing as it would show a pattern of abuse. But Hennepin County Judge Peter uh, Cahill denied the motion in January. In that decision, Cahill also ruled that Chauvin's defense would not be allowed to introduce evidence of Floyd's prior convictions either. In news about the federal government moving on cases that deserve justice, This is Attorney General Merrick Garland announcing the investigation into the Louisville Police Department, which I have covered extensively here on this show, from their cover-up of sexual abuse of children inside their Explorer program, to their bungling of a murder investigation in which they arrested the wrong guy, 
a citizen came to them with a tip and said, you've got the wrong guy. They said, no, 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 we don't have the wrong guy. The citizen has to go and get the video. It was security footage that exonerated the guy. Louisville Metro Police wanted to make sure that they charged him. And this is the same police department that murdered Breonna Taylor. I'm joined today by our recently confirmed Deputy Attorney General, Lisa Monaco, and our recently confirmed Associate Attorney General, Benita Gupta. They are leaders of great ability and integrity, and I am very happy that they have returned to serve again at the Justice Department. The department is stronger for their presence. We may not be able to listen to you, Garland. Justice is a federal law enforcement agency. There's a buzz in this. Thousands of law enforcement officers who collaborate with and support our colleagues throughout our nation's police departments. We are fully aware of the challenges faced by those who serve as police officers. Fuck the cops. We see their commitment firsthand every day, and we recognize the complex issues that make their already difficult jobs even harder. Yeah, we we see every day what they do. Charged with ensuring that the constitutional and federal statutory rights of all people are protected. As I explained last week, Congress has authorized the department to conduct pattern or practice investigations to help it fulfill that responsibility. Those investigations and the recommendations and actions that ensue do not only protect individual civil rights. They also assist police departments in developing... Yeah, we can't watch all this. That that fucking noise is killing me. But they've opened an investigation into the Louisville Metro Police Department. It's about goddamn time. Absolutely corrupt police department. Covering up child molestation. Their officers were raping people. The officer that killed Breonna Taylor had multiple allegations of assault against him. Marjorie Taylor Greene. The Georgia representative has a new favorite line comparing Black Lives Matter to the Ku Klux Klan. The freshman congresswoman who was booted off of her committees earlier this year for, among other things, backing the execution of prominent Democrats and spreading bigoted, insane conspiracy theories, said in an interview Wednesday that Black Lives Matter has become the most powerful domestic terrorist organization inside the United States. So, this should be fun. This is the David Harris Jr. Show. Call out the hypocrisy that exists all over Congress and the Senate, like Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, yeah. Congresswoman, how she calls out hypocrisy. So join me. I'm doing great, David, and I'm really happy to be on your show. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of the busy, swamp-infested, uh, liberal just drainage that you're in. It is just one thing after another, and you are in Congress fighting for she, us. He has a shirt on that says, Don't California, my Georgia. People, but uh, let me ask you this. Before we get into some of the crazy things that have happened. Hey, hey, I'm not going to kink shame people. 
did you have any idea that it was going to be as insane as it is and has been for you once you got into Congress? You know, a lot of people ask me that question and, you know, I've never served in politics. Asking about like what's insane in Congress when so he's talking to Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's literally my first experience on the inside of politics. Um, but I, I brought my normal way of thinking, common sense, uh, regular American approach to this position. And I knew common it was sense. Bad. I expected it to be difficult. I expected the media to be nasty. I expected the swamp to be the swamp, but I will tell you, no, I never expected it to be this level. It's it's far worse than anyone can imagine. Well, I, I so appreciate you throwing your hat in the ring, trying to stand for conservative values, for faith, family, freedom. I mean, that's, that's uh, what you're about, and that's what I believe we need a lot more of in Congress. So this week, the, uh, the, the verdict for uh, the George Floyd case against Derek Chauvin. The He's a handsome man. Rendered. I'll give him that. Obviously, it was guilty on all counts. But let me ask you this. Do you think that the jurors could have come to any other uh, decision with Joe Biden weighing in, with, with uh, Maxine Waters weighing in? We'll get- I may not agree with their politics, but I would I would be in that threesome. You're good looking people. Into Mac, Mad Maxine in a minute, but do you think Mad Maxine of what was actually going on in the real world, or do you think that uh, it, it all played a massive role? Well, I'm very glad you asked me this question. I tweeted about this last night. Uh, I'll go ahead and let you know the response on Twitter from the people that aren't very fond of me is I got called a racist nonstop for, here was my statement. I said that after a year, almost a year of these Antifa BLM domestic terrorist riots all over the country where they've burned cities, they've looted businesses, attacked innocent people, even killed people like uh, retired police officer David Dorn. They've attacked federal monuments, federal buildings, taken over police precincts. And then you have a United States Congresswoman show up in town and and basically threaten the jury and tell them that she's demanding we, a guilty verdict. We watched what she said, demanding a guilty verdict. That is not at all what she said. crowd that has been breaking the law, t- telling them, break curfew, stay in the streets, be more confrontational. And, they, and the she said, we might have to get more confrontational. more confrontational. That was, that was, that was her... When all of that is happening and and you're a regular person and you got selected, you got picked to serve on this jury, this wasn't something you signed up for. Everything else was her extrapolation of that. That there was no way, no way that we could see anything but a guilty verdict. Uh, Depending, you know, regardless of what was presented during the trial, um, there was so much pressure there. There was, it was unreal. And then to have the president back her up and then to have- well, I mean, we the only thing we could see was a guilty verdict simply because, you know, he was guilty as fuck. We all watched it on camera. The man committed a murder on camera. There was no question about it. Uh, MGT. Oh, M- MTG. Have the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, 
back up Maxine Waters. Uh, uh, this is mob rule. This is not law. This is not court. This is not. We should take solace in the fact that, like, that's the first person that's commented. I'm just talking about. I don't think that many people are watching them. Has become. There's been a few hearts. Domestic terrorist organization within inside the United States, and they are fully supported all the way into Congress and into the White House. Yeah, you're wow. right. That's exactly what I see. It was a win for Black Lives Matter or for all of us Americans that are sitting watching the cities around the country burn over George Floyd. I mean, I, I remember watching the video. I remember absolutely heartbroken at what I saw. I believe that it was absolutely excessive force. Uh, this was obviously before any of the other fentanyl issues. So, so stand up for the Constitution, bastard. Limit or three times of what should have killed him uh, before all that. And I still think that it was. That's not. That's not true. Uh, and I still think that there should have been repercussions. I do think that he was guilty of causing or helping to aid that. It's my personal opinion. But that out the window with all the. It's, it's not even an opinion. It's a statement of fact. Chaos that went on around the country. It absolutely. Well, happened. how did they just get all kinds of hearts all of a sudden? Like They've got some sort of bot machine going on. They were selected. So how in the world could any jury member feel like they could do anything other than vote guilty? Uh, out of just fear for their family and their their lives. That's right. That's right. It was, you know, it's basically the same tactics that the Ku Klux Klan used to use. They used to go and take to the streets with with torches and, and you know, their uniforms. Well, I mean, the Klan used to be the judges and the cops and still are. Some of those who work forces are the same that burn crosses. And remember, the Ku Klux Klan, the Democrat Party is the party of the Ku Klux Klan. Yep. The Democrat Party is the party of Jim Crow. And now we see the Democrat Party is now the party of black The Dixiecrats, and they left they and joined the Republicans. Black lives, not at all. They care about policies. They care about radical changes within our government. And then Maxine Waters goes out in the... Sh- None of that. None of that was correct. Not a thing she said was based in reality. But hey, accuse the other side of what you're doing. That's what Senator Marsha Blackburn did today on the Senate floor, accusing Democrats of misleading America. A pattern in how they're building their policy initiatives, interacting with Congress, and marketing their ideas to the American people. In every example, the governing rule can be boiled down to what you see isn't what you're going to get. So far, this 117th Congress, every single major policy proposal. For those of you who may be listening to the audio only, she has a sign up that says Biden's boondoggles. It says what you see and lists COVID relief infrastructure voting rights. And then like her, her idea of what those are, are totally not representative of what's actually in the bills. Forced into the spotlight has been, they are right wing talking points. 
They have intentionally misled the American people and are now catering to the increasingly radical left wing that gets further out of step with the rest of this country each and every passing I month. wish consider last month's one we're not out of step nine trillion dollar spending package. The Democrats build this as quote the American rescue plan, end quote. And quote, COVID relief, end quote. But only nine percent nine Number nine, number nine, number nine for testing, vaccinations and health care jobs. The rest they used on a massive blue state bailout and blatant redistribution of wealth. What does that mean? Story with this month's two point two five trillion dollar spending package. They've done their best to pass this off as an infrastructure plan. But even if you add up every single line item that is dedicated to roads, to bridges, to highways, to interstates, to ports, to waterways. I I certainly don't trust any Republicans math on anything. A little over one third of that plan will pay for actual infrastructure projects. The rest, the rest of that $2.25 trillion is just another slush fund for union activism, climate change auditors, and Green New Deal fantasies. S1, the so-called... She she has not addressed anything. ...spoken so passionately about, completes the trifecta... Yeah, because she's moving on to voting rights. That's what S1 is. ...advertised as one thing but that would accomplish something completely different. Now, S1 isn't as much a taxpayer dollar grab. This is the senator from Tennessee, by the way. ...political power grab. Freshman senator, I do believe. ...solutions in search of problems. It ignores... She rode the the Trump wave. ...of federalism. It disregards the constitutional directive affording states, affording the states power over their own elections. It requires the use of ballot casting technology and voter registration systems that don't even exist yet. But I think you can bet that some Politically connected companies will make a whole bunch of money coming. She should know about that. It would dismantle voter ID laws and prevent local meaningful cleanup of voter rolls. Your local election commission, they wouldn't be able to purge their rolls of individuals that have died or moved. They wouldn't be able to purge the rolls of the black people like we want to. That's what she's saying. Speaking about misleading the public. How would you like to watch Ben Shapiro get wood? I can't believe this is real. Apparently Home Depot is one of the companies based in Georgia. That is not boycotting over the voting rights laws. All right, as you can see, I just went shopping at Home Depot. You should do the same. 
this wood, this board, this magnificent piece of poplar is now mine. All right, as you can see, I just went shopping at Home Depot. They they are quite hard. They could cut wood. Luckily, he has some. I'm just, everybody understands. Like, come on, like you don't go into a store and buy one fucking piece of wood. I. The thing is, is I'm convinced that Ben Shapiro makes content for us. He does not make content for right-wingers. He makes content to get made fun of by left-wingers. And then gets... He runs a media empire. I don't think he's actually one of their talking heads, is he? Like, I, I don't... I don't hear Ben Shapiro being thrown around when I ask right-wingers who they pay attention to. It's it's far worse than Ben Shapiro, I promise you. I think he exists simply for us. He makes content for us. And I, I eat it up. I love content like that. I also like content like this. Federal investigators say a man bragged about storming the U.S. Capitol while he was chatting with a prospective love interest on the dating app Bumble. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that, Scrappy. That they won't admit to following Ben Shapiro because of his Jewishness. Holy fuck. That could play a role in it. But, like, when I'm talking to right-wingers about the people that they consume and the media they consume, it's it was Dan Bongino, it was, uh, you know, Crowder to an extent. I, like, Ben Shapiro never comes up. Candace Owens, definitely. Uh, Jesse Lee Peterson a lot. That's how I learned of Jesse Lee Peterson was by... That's that's who the right wingers really like. And if you never listened to Jesse Lee Peterson, holy shit. I I don't get amazing. I don't know if he's trolling or if he's serious. I think I think you have to be serious to act like that. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Uh oh. You're smoky. What? Okay, so. What was he like when he was coming up? Is is the is the hard right a recent phenomenon in the Trump era? You've got to wonder, like. Almost all broadcasters are like me. Like they're when they say the media is biased, what they're talking about is production people and shit are all like me, like long haired, fucking painted fingernails. Like this is just how we are. And shit. This is how we're expected. It's like the last time I was I was doing a job where we did installs. Boss looked at me he's like the reason why we get to look like pirates is because we're good at our job. You look like that's what people expect. AV text to look like. So I know for a fact, like the Fox News production team is like all lefties and they purposely do things to the Fox News graphics to troll them. 
I find that funny. All right, all right. Lighthearted love story here. Well, the woman wrote back saying we are not a match and then contacted police. Musician <laughs> correspondent Brian Enton tells us how that man now faces several charges for allegedly taking part in the January 6th insurrection. People have been charged so far connected to the riot at the Capitol on January 6th. But the way the feds tracked down Robert Chapman of Carmel, New York, is perhaps one of the most unique cases. Investigators say Chapman was turned into authority. He kind of looks like a young uh, Lemmy or some shit. He had some badass fucking sideburns going on. He's by someone he matched with on the dating app Bumble. According to court documents, Chapman told the woman on the app, I did storm the Capitol. I made it all the way to Statuary Hall. The woman responded, we are not a match, and alerted police. The FBI ah! Chapman's Bumble photo to video from the riot. He was bragging about it! Inside the Capitol. Investigators also found this post on his Facebook page that says, I'm expletive inside the Capitol. That was his, oh my god, that was like his pickup line. I stormed the Capitol. Holy shit. I can see it. They kind of look alike. There's also this picture on his Facebook page that shows him <laughs> posing with a statue of Washington inside the rotunda. Chapman was arrested yesterday and is now out on bond, charged with four misdemeanors, including disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds. Brian Enton, News Nation. He shot his shot. And it was bragging about being at the Capitol. Oh, hold on. There was more. They cut it out during the video. There was more to the conversation. Well, elsewhere today, the FDA. I would love to see what came before that. The top of the the top of the messages say uh, those weren't answers to my questions from her. But I would have liked to have seen what his actual opening line was. Because <laughs> at first it seemed like his opening line was to talk about how he was at the, the capital. People living in the United States was okay. So we're this might be a little boring. <laughs> We're going to get the breakdown of the census numbers from the census people. Let's check them out. 331,449,281. As of April 1st, 2020. This represents an increase of 7.4% over the official population count from the 2010 census. This population growth rate is lower than the previous growth rate of 9.7% between the 2000 and 2010 censuses. In fact, the growth rate from, the 20, from 2010 to 2020 is the second slowest in U.S. history. The country's 7.4% increase in population this decade was only slightly more than the 7.3 increase between 1930 and 1940. For the regions, the South grew the fastest over the last decade with a 10.2% increase in population followed by the West with 9.2%, the Northeast with 4.1%, and the Midwest with 3.1%. That's, the Northeast grew faster this decade than it grew between... You, you see, the South growing like that is the reason why like the dude had the shirt on that was like, 
Don't California my Georgia. But yet they want that sweet, sweet uh, production dollar. Well, the uh, movies and TV shows that are filming in, in Georgia now. Between 2000 and 2010, while the other three regions grew slower this decade than the last. When looking across the states, we see large variation in population sizes. The state with the largest 2020 census resident population was California, with 39. Texas has been growing. I almost moved to Texas, so fuck. In 23, the state with the smallest population was Wyoming, with 576,851. However, the 10 most populous states each had a resident population between 10 and 40 million. While the 10 least populous states... I really want to go to Austin because it's weird. And 1.4 million. I like concerts and live music. The population of most states grew between 2010 and 2020. Utah was the fastest growing state with an 18.4% increase in population. Utah! That, I would have guessed that. On the other hand, three states lost population. With, with West Virginia having the largest rate of decrease at 3.2%. Utah! Largest percent increase was in Utah! I would have thought it was Georgia or Texas. The population of District Columbia grew by 14.6%. I bet it was a, si- a shit show trying to do it through a pandemic. Percent to what, 3.3%. What, what did you do for him? Were you going door to door? Now let's get to the apportionment results. I guess, I guess it was fucking... The constitutional purpose of the census is congressional... Calling, wasn't it? Which is the process of distributing the... Members this, this is the reason I wanted to watch this. This is talking about proportionment and how it's going to reshape districts. To each state's population. Since 1941, the law has specified that the method of equal proportions will be used to assign House seats to the states. And while the law does not require the Census Bureau to calculate the number of seats each state will get... We do it as a courtesy to the president. We apply the required method to the apportionment population of the 50 states, not including the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, because they have no voting seats in the Congress. The Hopefully that's going to change soon. The population includes the number of people living in the 50 states plus the overseas population, which is a count of federal employees living overseas and their dependents living with them who are allocated to a home state. Since 1940, the regional trend with apportionment has been an increase in the number of congressional seats for the South and West and a loss of congressional seats for the North and Northeast and Midwest. More specifically, since 1940, there's been a combined net shift of 84 seats to the South and West regions. Overall, the effect of the official 2020 uh, census population counts on congressional apportionment oh, wow. is a shift of seven seats among 13 states which is the smallest number of seats shifting among the states in any decade since the current method of calculating apportionment was adopted oh, wow. in 1941. Smallest number Six of seats, will gain seats in the House of shifting. Texas will gain two seats, and Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon will each gain one seat. I thought they already had been charged. Seven states will each lose one seat in the House. California, Illinois, Michigan... New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 
the number of seats for the remaining 37 states will not change. Smallest number of seats. have the most representatives in Congress are California with 52 seats, Texas with 38 seats, Florida with 28 seats, and New York with 26 seats. These four seats Oh, wow. Is it going to be charged with third degree? Having more than 20 million people. And that is a big deal. I don't know if they can make that stick. In the House of Representatives. Also, each of the six least populous states will have less than one million. Oh, aiding third degree. Okay, I thought you meant like murder third degree. I was confused. The portion incurred based on the 1790 census. Each member of the House represented roughly 34,000 people. Now, the average population size of each House district, based on the 2020 census, will be 761,169 people, which is an increase of 50,402 people per representative when compared to the average of 710,767 people per representative based on the 2010 census. And those were the first results of the 2020 census. We have taken the time we needed to produce the high that was actually far more entertaining than what I thought it was going to be. But that was good information. Also, good information is the fact that Biden is planning on raising taxes higher than I thought he was saying he was going to. President Biden in the next few days will unveil eye-popping new tax rates for the wealthiest Americans. I do not like Axios's framing of that because they're not eye-popping at all. You go back and look what tax rates were in the 70s or the 60s. These are not eye-popping tax rates. They are surprising. I will give it surprising. I was not expecting this. A top marginal income tax rate of 39.6% and a capital gains rate of 43.4%. The proposal to be announced ahead of Biden's address to Congress next Wednesday, as this coming Wednesday, is an opening bid for Hill negotiations. The combined state and federal capital gains rate could be as high as 52.2% for Californians. I'm 52.2% for New Yorkers, and for Californians it could be 56.7%. Honestly, they never know. Practically and politically, the White House needs buy-in from Congress to pay for social spending for the next phase of its plan to reshape the American economy, the American Families Plan. Democrats Democrats close to the White House believe that the amount of revenue that the IRS can collect on capital gains actually decreases past a certain point. Probably in the low 30% range, that means the ultimate capital gains rate could be well below 43.4%. Officials haven't yet made clear whether the capital gains rate would apply in 2022 or in 2021, which would allow the IRS to harness some of this year's massive equities earnings. Goldman Sachs sent out a research note last evening entitled, No Surprises in President Biden's Reported Capital Gains Proposal, 
We expect Congress will pass a scaled-back version of this tax increase. At least they're trying to play hardball. So many times with the Obama administration, they came out with like what they actually wanted first. Biden is also likely to raise more revenue from the wealthy by making changes to estate taxes. Biden wants to change the so-called stepped-up basis for accounting purposes and value assets when they are passed on to an heir, not at their original cost. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to bring it on home tonight with a little bit of wholesomeness. I don't know if I have anybody named it Josh in the chat. It was an absolute Josh pit at Lincoln Air Park on Saturday. Big Josh, Spider Josh, Little Josh, a plethora of Joshes gathered from all over the country to compete in the ultimate showdown. I'm coming from Minnesota. I'm coming all the way from Dallas. So I'm from Omaha. I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I drove four and a half hours. I, I am steeped in internet culture, and I had no clue that this was going on. How the fuck did I miss this one? How did they all get an invitation? Which, I mean, I guess dude sent a private message to everybody. And, of course, the man who started it all, Josh Swain of Arizona. I'm feeling pretty insane right now. Fuck yeah, little Josh. Yeah, I'm not in the Josh Club. That's why I didn't know. I, I did not know they were planning this motherfucking shit in secret. I just kind of figured that would be something that you would you would hear of on the internet. Billion thoughts going through my head at the moment. A year ago, Swain took. I hope they were safe. As many Josh Swains as he could to a battle royale. The winner would earn the right to keep the name. As the idea went viral, Swain. Oh wait, it was only Josh Swains. It wasn't all Joshes. Decided to use the opportunity to contribute to charity, the Lincoln Food Bank, and I was lied to. Medical Center. Josh Swain of Omaha took a year to prepare and competed in an epic duel of rock, paper, scissors, best of three. They tied three times straight, but the original Josh Swain emerged victorious. Uh, I, I found another Josh Swain that was amazing. Did not expect that to happen, and I came on top. That's when oh. the competition began. Josh is from all over, gathered in a circle to compete in a noodle fight. After an intense competition, the tiniest competitor, four-year-old Josh Benson Jr. of Lincoln, affectionately known as Little Josh, came out. The game, the AEW championship belt. Little Josh spoke with Channel 8 after his victory. How much fun did you have out there today? A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Oh, it's pretty awesome, man. He's going to remember this for the rest of his life. Fuck yeah, little Josh. Little Josh is awesome. All right, if you are watching on Twitch, I'm sending you over to the Media Winch. It's Meltdown Mondays. I believe she's got Adrian Curry up. I'm going to hop in there with you. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. High tones, by tones. We'll see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol.
live.